I hope so. I hope so. As I was thinking about our previous conversations and preparing for this one, there's a quote by Mark Twain came to mind. I don't have time to write your short letter, so I wrote a long one. And I think there's also Winston Churchill quote along the same lines. If I had more time, I would have written your shorter letter. The reason being is when you and I spoke, your ability to simplify shows experience, shows you know, years and years of deep insights. So before we jump into what inspires you and the topic that I'm super curious to unpack, which is which experience is more important for a chief experience officer, the customer or the employee. Uh, Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind just highlighting your experiences. So I actually um, kind of started getting into healthcare or thinking I wanted to be in healthcare when I was about 10 years old. Because my dad was the CEO, CFO, chairman of the board, mergers, acquisitions, like all these different roles, right? And I saw how dedicated he was. And I remember being like 10 years old, sitting at the living room table. And he had like, it wasn't a computer, but it was like one of those word processors. So like you had to do a bunch of stuff and then you'd print it and go back and you had to like proofread it. And I was like 10 reading these legal documents with him. And I'm like, dad, I just want to go outside and play. But, you know, he needed help. And so we made some really good memories doing that. So I ended up starting my career actually in human resources, and I absolutely love human resources. It's one of those roles where you get to know everything about everyone, but you can't talk to anybody about it. <laughs> so sometimes it's a little lonely, but I learned so much about uh, employee relations and employee experience. And also at the time, that was when value-based purchasing first came out. And so when something new gets mandated on hospitals, it either goes to nursing or it seems to go to HR. And so H caps got dropped on my lap, on my lap, and it was you can you help manage this process? And so I started reading books, a lot of Quint Studer books, right? So I started to really look at what does this um, what does this really mean? So I started reading books by a lot of different things around, you know, patient experience and Quint Studer had several out, you know, he is, you know, the thought leader. Um, and so with that, I just ended up getting good at it and I got passionate about it that my HR VP at the time was like, I think this would be a great maneuver for you. So I ended up going into patient experience and then I did that role. Um, I mean, I was a coordinator and then I became a regional director and then I became an assistant director at the system level. VP, and then I ended up becoming chief experience officer. And so it's just been this incredible journey of learning. And every time I've been in a different health system leading experience, it's been a little bit different. And so all, like I've worked for three companies and these three companies all operate very differently, but I've learned so much from what right looks like and then where some opportunities are that we don't wanna replicate. For sure, there there always are. But what I was also curious about is you're you're not just looking at best practices in your industry. In our discussion, you talked about you know what what's inspiring you, and you mentioned Disney, and you mentioned Amazon. If you wouldn't mind, like what do those companies have to do with you know learnings for a chief experience officer in healthcare? So one of the most amazing partnerships um, we had in my career is I worked for this organization who hired Disney to teach us about culture. And so here you are thinking you're the subject matter expert and you know culture, right? And 
you don't know culture until you really study Disney. Because you think about the Disney experience, it's completely consistent whether you're whatever venue you're at, whatever country you're at, right? Cruise boat, hotel, Disneyland, Disney World, like it's all consistent. And they do that because they are very thoughtful about the culture that they have. And so what Disney did that is so well is that they built their culture on keys and everyone uses these keys for thought process and decision-making from your ride operator to your CFO. And it's about, they first go through safety, courtesy, show, efficiency. So when that ride operator is really looking at, you know, think about, I have a a five-year-old and we were just on the the mermaid ride, right? The little mermaid ride. And so the little mermaid ride, you're sitting here going and here's like a gentleman coming up and you can tell he hasn't been on crutches very long. So the first value that goes to that ride operator's mind is my number one priority is safety. I have to get this patient or this uh, consumer on the ride safely, regardless if it ruins the show for all the other people. And so the ride slows, right? But Disney has done a phenomenal job of when the ride slows, like they still entertain you, they give you cute little messages, right? And so then it works the same exact way for your CFO. When a, um, maybe like a team at a machine, at a ride comes up to the CFO, CEO and says, hey, we have ideas to improve this, this environment. We want to put like um, fans over here, fans over here. We want to change the line cue to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they'll look at it and be like, okay, well, let's go through our keys. Which one is courtesy? Like safety? Is any of those safety? No. Courtesy? Yes, fans are courtesy. So that gets approved first before the efficiency piece. And what's really interesting about that is if you look at healthcare, we like to say that we are always courteous and compassionate. And we always put the patients first. But I will tell you, the mission, like the words in the, on the wall are not always the words in the hall, right? And so a wow. lot of times <laughs> I've seen efficiency be that number one and another thing that really is awesome about disney is that their highest executive at the park walks the entire park at least once a day so they're interacting with consumers and they're interacting with employees so you think about what that means when the the hippo in the room the highest paid person right is now walking taking the time to do that what kind of message that sends So you think about also when we talk about we know a best practice is when our senior leadership team and our, you know, middle management leaders are talking to their employees regularly, checking in, having, you know, quick conversations um, and the senior team is visible. It's hard sometimes to get our executive teams out one time a week. Right. And so it's like until we start putting this as a priority, like Disney, you know, every organization wants to be top quartile. Well, you got to put the practices in place to be top quartile if you want to be, you know, have that have that amazing culture. Yeah, there's so, so much there, Stephanie. One is my what response was to your to your comment of, you know, values on the walls are not always the values that are lived by the organization. That was part of 
the book, Science of Story, written six years ago and published after hundreds of interviews. And, and the, you know, it's almost like that's the rule, you know. That's not the exception. Most do not live the values. And you're so right. You know, as I think about the, the simplicity with which you just described Disney's approach, right? And of, it's brilliant in its impact, but common sense is in common action. So what we need to do is create very simple rules that allow implementation, that allow us to get through the noise. People are very busy, right? Yeah, of course, safety is common sense. Okay, well, when does it show up? How does it show up in your mind? Um, fascinating. Fascinating that you're bringing that into the healthcare industry. And I'm not touching right now on a, you know how difficult healthcare industry is. And I've covered it on the podcast multiple times and takes us down. You know, At some point, as we compare the experiences, we need to mention it. But um, where, I'd like, where I'd like us to go is, um, you know, which is more important, right? We often talk about organizations saying employees are the most important assets and, and they're critical for the business. But then all of the attention and the resources are focused on what? The customer experience. So Stephanie, which is more important? Is it the customer or the employee experience? How do you think about it? So I would say in healthcare, I wouldn't even say that all the resources are put on consumer or patient experience. You know, I what I've seen a lot and I've talked to a lot of my peers, you know, there are some organizations that are financially performing so well and they you know, have a robust consumer experience program and they're putting, you know, multi-millions of dollars into this. And then there are some that there's no budget. <laughs> and so it's, it's, you can't move your company to really get to where you want to on quality, safety, and finance, unless you move your employee experience first and then your consumer experience. I think like when you talk about, you know, um, employees versus patients, it's, it's almost like which one comes first? Is it the chicken or the egg? And a long time ago, we were saying it's physician-centered care. We are going to like this 80s, 90s, right? I think it was like, hey, let, let's focus on physicians only. So we put the physicians in the middle and then we changed our entire process and everything rotated around our physicians. And then somebody came up with, well, mm, we're going to do patient-centered care. And so now we put the patient in the middle and then changed all the operations to be around patient-centered. And really where it needs to get to is focusing on the human in the middle. So the employee and the patient arm in arm, and then we create processes that improve the experience and efficiency for both of them, not just one or the other. So not two different experiences were converging and each one has a role in the experience, the human experience. Okay, well, if, we, if we're thinking about it in terms of human experience, how do we think about metrics? How do we know we're succeeding? Because in the world where there's patient versus there is the you know, employee, we can think about it very focused. How, how do we begin to merge those? Are new metrics is going to be created in order to support this way of thinking? So... The first thing I want to say on that is the patient experience, we usually focus on episodes of care, right? And it's usually the hospital episode of care, or I got a lab draw, or I got an imaging test, right? That's usually where we're focusing on. We don't look at that entire longitudinal journey from when we are having like brand awareness to when they're activating with our system to when we're drawing them in, then they have their episode. And then there's that post relationship. Employees have the same thing. 
from the time they're thinking about moving to our organization to the time that they leave. That entire longitudinal journey needs to have a focus on creating moments for both consumer, or I need to stop saying consumer, uh, patient and employee. And so when you think about metrics of how metrics to improve human experience, what that we don't measure things always that are important to the consumer. I will tell you that um, like what I've seen a lot is like we will focus on the time to first appointment, right? Which is important for us, right? Because that's efficiency and that's ROI real quick versus for the patient, which is compassion, is that time to treat. And in my own experience, so I am a breast cancer survivor. I got my diagnosis November 12th, 2021, and I finished active cancer treatment on November 15th, 2022. So I am almost a month out. And I can tell you from the time I got my diagnosis to when I actually knew what my plan was, what we were going to do took 46 days. So 46 days where I didn't know if I was going to die or not. So Thanksgiving, I was taking all the decorations down and I'm like a huge decorate person. And I was taking all the decorations down and I thought about writing my husband a note and thinking about your mortality at 37 years old and writing a note to the man that you love most in this world hoping that he finds it because you don't know if you're going to be here. It's an awful spot to be in. And so the way that the system was designed, created, amplified that suffering in me. And once I actually got the answers, right, there's that whole other phenomenon, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, about how we spin as patients. It took 83 days from diagnosis to actually start treatment. And part of that was delayed. I had a three and a half week delay because um, I, they thought I was a candidate for a research project. <laughs> and then at the last minute they said I wasn't. So you think I could have started cancer treatment much sooner. The cancer patient that has the, the best mortality from diagnosis to end of treatment they have to do it in 365 days. I missed that by five days. What 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 a story! And 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 you you have this personal insight <clears throat> into the human experience and and every day that you didn't know. Our mind doesn't naturally go to a good place. And and the words you just used used you said you know the system creates this emotional suffering as as just part of the process. Wow. So how do we how do we fix it? How do we how do we support the evolution? And maybe this is a good place for us to start thinking about what is the future of people initiatives in, in terms that you've created for us, which is the human experience. What, what does it look like? How do we begin to, to dream about a future state that will, I don't know, I want to use the word fix, probably it's a journey, but drastically improve the current state? So... There has to be, it's the endless power of and, right? It can't be one or the other. We have to have a margin to have a mission. But there has to be this combining of the minds to achieve both and. So I'm actually writing a book 
my book I'm hoping will come out first, maybe second quarter sometime next year. Um, and basically it's me talking about my experience going through this for this entire year, wearing the hat as an executive and wearing the hat as a patient and knowing how the processes work in healthcare, right? I've been in healthcare now for like 13 years. And then also seeing how it actually makes the patient feel. And so I have in that process, I started documenting everything that I was going through on, I, I did videos. And so these videos are pretty raw and having gone back through these videos, watching it, it's like, I can't believe where I am a year from now or like a year now right here. Um, so through that journey, I think I learned about 250 different things. And now I've summarized them into waste, inefficiencies, access issues, communication issues, care continuity, you know, so, so, so forth. There's like 12 different things. And I really think it's going to take our executive teams understanding both perspectives because, you know, we hire amazing executives that are subject matter experts in their field, but they don't always get the same training. Like I don't really understand the CFO world. I am not good at math. My dad's, my dad's an accountant. He's like, I don't understand why you don't understand accountant. I'm like, dad, I failed that class like twice. I, it's just, it's not for me. So, but it's this merging of the minds that really need to come together to truly understand, to create that and environment. Hmm. Well, congratulations on, on getting close to publishing a book. What, what's the title? I don't know yet. I'm still, I'm still chewing on a few things. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to, to uh, digging into it once it becomes available. And also, we're starting our planning for a conference toward the uh, middle of next year. So if the timing works out, perhaps we can help you su support the release of the book. Perhaps you can even join us as a speaker and share this, this amazing journey that you're on. I would absolutely love that. And uh, Stephanie, I, I really am intrigued by the convergence of the executive mindsets, right? And you're saying, to be clear... There's the mindset that's focusing on the patient or the customer world, and then there's the mindset that's focused on the employee world, correct? Yes, because they're, they're not usually controlled as a, managed by one person. It's usually, you know, HR has employee experience, and then strategy or nursing or operations has patient experience. Totally. And then Maya, I add another dimension that in both of those worlds, there's the functional and the technical folks, right? Whether you're looking at the world of, of the patient and the customer, there's the marketing folks that understand the content and the, the story and understand the journey. And then there are the folks in technology that are supporting the data behind it. So if we think about the convergence of the two worlds, one that's external, one that's internal, and then more so worlds that combine the technology with the functional side in order for the human experience to be unlocked, we, are, we need to create a fusion, a new way of thinking. And uh, change isn't easy. And we're not talking about slight change. We're talking about like a foundational, groundbreaking, um, you know, how do we think differently about the future? So Stephanie, like, what would be a step one? Some of the folks that are listening to the podcast, they're, they're in HR, change management, L&D, more and more so we've got some uh, technology folks that are tuning in as well. Where do we begin? So you can't be the subject matter expert in everything. 
the one of the best bosses I've ever had, and I'm lucky enough to still be mentored by him. He told me when I first started working for him years ago, he made a comment and he goes, it's your job to be a mile deep and an inch wide because I rely on you for subject matter experts to help us make strategy decisions, right? And it's his job really to be that mile mile wide and an inch deep, right? Because he has all subject matter. He's the CEO, right? So he has all subject matter experts in all these different spaces. And so it's really coming together with those experts and partnering with one another. I will tell you here at Adventist Health, um, I am attached at the hip with our chief digital officer. And it has been the most amazing experience for me to really learn from her this year. I have learned so much about being able to use technology to take the things off our frontline team's plates, modernize it so that it improves the employee experience and the patient's experience. That goes to where it costs money to invest in technology. But you think of the effect that it improves the employee experience first and then the patient experience. And where you really get the biggest bang in for your buck, right, is where you get the employees front and center and help them design whatever that process is. So it's not the hippo in the room, highest paid person's opinion, deciding these, right? Because they don't know what's going on every single day. It's best for those employees to be involved that are rethinking the design of their work. Our chief digital officer, her and I work very closely together, and we also have an amazing marketing executive. The three of us are continually looking at that entire longitudinal journey, and we all own different pieces of it and collaborate together to design an amazing consumer experience. This is Gold, chief digital officer. You have a marketing person that's involved. And, and would the chief digital officer represent then the technology side of things, both the perspective, recommendations, and, and are they facilitating the technology enablement that's required to get this process started? Yes. So she's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so there was a point in my role this year that I was pulled to focus more on consumer operations and less on patient experience. And so that's when her and I became really attached at the hip. And so ultimately... Uh, things would get funneled to me for decisions, right? And sometimes I could make decisions, um, but ultimately it's her strategy. She calls the strategy and I would help operationalize it. And so a lot of times I would have to go to her and say, here's a problem I'm having. I have no idea how to fix this. And she's like, well, that's technology, right? That's IT. Of course, you're not going to know how to do that. And so she was able to walk me through different processes to help me understand it. So do I understand all IT? Absolutely not. But do I understand probably enough to be dangerous now in the digital world? Of course. And so I, I owe it to her for that experience. Very cool. So Stephanie, why don't we now go a little further out as we think about the future of people and the shit is now with one focus, right? The human experience, we're converging the patient, customer, and you and I keep using those words interchangeably um, because we're, of course the folks that are tuning in are not all in the healthcare industry, but converging that with the, with the employee experience. Um, and t- technology and data would be at its foundation. So do we imagine a world where 
this data is flowing into one ocean. This data is now sliced and diced to look at episodes, convergence of episodes, because you want to understand their entire use of longitude, which is their entire journey. But then here's an episode where they're coming together. It's almost like writing a script with actors and, and what is the optimal roles that they play in that episode. But but dream with me, Stephanie. How would you see it in an ideal state? And we're, we're abandoning constraints for the moment. We're not going all the way AI and machine learning, but we're abandoning the modern day constraints. You know, I really think it's going to take a lot of people coming to the table to want to change this experience. And the longitudinal journey can be set up by different types of metrics to really measure ease, friction, and compassion, but we don't do that well. Amazon does that incredibly well. I love Amazon. I am addicted to Amazon and I don't care that it costs a little bit more because as a full-time executive and a mom of two little children, I do not have time to go shopping. And it's so funny because my mom will be like, I have to go into the store and feel things. And I'm like, ew, that's just disgusting. Like germs don't want to do it, you know? And so if you think about Amazon, they create this entire frictionless experience. Um, there, it's completely easy to do. They know you, which is sometimes creepy, right? I'll be like, ooh, I need to get a new sweater. And I swear I don't say that outside. I think about it. And then all of a sudden, Amazon fashion is up, right? And I'm like, ooh, I like that sweater. I think I got this sweater on Amazon. Then if you have an issue, they don't argue with you. They don't make you feel bad that you have an issue. They just do the right thing and they say, go ahead, how can I make this easy for you? And it's so convenient that you can literally go into like this little locker that's super close to my house, so it's probably more convenient for me. And I just put it in there. I scan a little code, I put it in there. I'm done with that product. I get my money back in two hours. We don't do that in healthcare. To do service recovery in our own system is, not everybody's trained on it. Uh, it's completely varied. It's inconsistent. Like it's just, we have to get where with our consumers, we create ease, we know them, and we create the most compassionate or happiest experience, whatever type of, you know, venue that you're working for. Roger that. Amazon is, has created a playbook for the easiest, most convenient experiences. And you said, we'll have to come together. So I spent a lot of time pondering on who are we to come together. And uh, how, let's chat about it. Ideal state, who should come together to discuss this experience? Are we saying the entire executive team? Is it the chief digital officer, maybe the marketing officer, the technology officer? Or how do we even think about what is the core we that should come together for these discussions? I think your core group of subject matter experts to really make such a big difference is, you know, patient experience or consumer experience, digital, marketing, process improvement, and then whatever, like in healthcare, we have clinical, right? So you need clinical representation because that's usually about 50% of your workforce. And so you really need to get those minds together because then that's what's encompassing that entire, oh, and HR. You always have to have HR. HR needs to be your best friend. <laughs> 
So when you do this and you have them looking at the entire longitudinal journey, that's where you can make the biggest difference. And if all your subject matter experts develop this amazing strategy, you then have to sell it to your executive team. Love it. Next, Next question, question, and we're not discussing your company per se. We're simply asking the question. So take this core group that, that we've just that you just described. What is a must for every one of those folks to have in their mind, or how do we pre-qualify them? Are these folks that should really care about the company? Are these folks that should all care about their specific longitude or, or the, the journeys that they're in charge of? Is it that they should be courageous of thinking about the future? I'm looking for some kind of a qualifier or qualifiers for the audience to be able to apply against their organizations and say, oh, I have candidates for this or I do not. My journey is going to be considerably longer than others. I think um, specifically if we like talk about healthcare and then we can kind of expand from that. Um, we are so far behind a lot of other organizations from a technology perspective, experience perspective. It takes us a lot longer to move. And the reason I believe that is because we have a more archaic mindset that, oh, well, that's the way we've always done it. And so in order to really be that change maker, you have to have people that are passionate about wanting to make a difference for employees and consumers and being willing to be uncomfortable with, or being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Maybe that's it. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable and caring for, for, for the convergence then. Maybe then to simplify it, could we say, be comfortable being uncomfortable and care about the human experience. That is the convergence of all of the experiences into one. Yeah, I want to make a difference. Because it's not, it's not just caring, right? You can care for someone, but are you passionate enough to want to innovate, step out of the box, make a difference in whatever space we're doing? Because our employees and our consumers deserve it. That's it. And, and, and that's a very high bar, unfortunately. That is a very, if you apply that bar across organizations, it's, it, we're going, it, it's not going to be easy, but, but nothing is when you're creating change. You got to find your early adapters, you know, those that are open-minded and uh, off we go. Wow, Stephanie, I feel like I could keep going and, and going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but, you know, one last question, and, and we've already begun to talk about it, is, um, you know, what advice would you give for those who are looking to create impact, to create change inside their organizations? You've already shared a few thoughts, but maybe there's additional that, that, you, could, uh, that you could guide them for what's next. I think from what I've seen, heard, felt, <laughs> talked with other people in my roles is that Consumer experience sometimes is a difficult role. You don't always see the fruits of your labor as quickly as you would like. And I was in a really difficult spot at one point. And um, my, my, my uh, mentor actually butt dialed me on accident and he's never done that. And um, I never cry. Like I am not a crier at work. And I remember I ended up crying and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I want to be in healthcare anymore. And, you know, I was just in this awful state. And he said to me, he goes, Stephanie, your role is incredibly hard. You can't always look at the macro level differences that you make because those are harder to achieve. And it takes a lot to get there. A lot of influence and a lot of resources to get there. 
You have to focus on the micro differences that you make every single day to help keep your cup filled. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice for others is to look for that sparkle in the darkness where you can say, okay, I made a difference because of this today. Because you have to look for those moments every single day. Otherwise, you are going to get burned out. This is very timely advice for me. Stephanie, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I, I, I look forward to continuing it. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Over and out. <laughs>